97.9 The Hill, WCHO, and the UNC Hustman School of Journalism and Media present Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. Sports Focus, dedicated to in-depth examination of issues of overriding importance in the sports world. Each week, we'll discuss problems and look for solutions in professional, collegiate, and amateur sports. From Carroll Hall on the Carolina campus, here's your host, UNC journalism professor, Charlie Tuggle. Welcome to Sports Focus. Our topic today, America's game and giving back during this shutdown. Our guest, Chris Cotillo, Red Sox beat writer for Mass Live and a Carolina alum. So, Chris, let's go back in time. Seems like an eon ago. It's only about six weeks, really. Spring training games are going on. And you get the word, okay, that's it. Uh, Shut it down. Where were you? What were you doing at that moment? I was already uh, back home in Massachusetts at that point. I was in spring training from, uh, I think, February 8th to about um, March 7th or 8th, and then flew home uh, from Fort Myers on, it was March 8th, a Sunday night, and then Thursday was the day they shut it down. So I was already back home um, because we really only cover the first half of spring training and then kind of meet the team wherever the season begins. So at that point, it wasn't too much of a surprise just because the NBA and the NHL and Obviously, the NCAA tournament and a bunch of things were shut down, but um, still, it's jarring to see that the season is canceled and no one knows when it's going to start, and you have flights to cancel and hotels to cancel for road games and all that kind of stuff. So um, I I didn't have to get an emergency flight home from spring training, but I did have to move a lot around for April and May, and now, obviously, uh, probably June and some July, too. All right, so after you had done that, you know, dealt with the immediate, well, cancel this flight, cancel that hotel, are you thinking, now what am I supposed to do? Yeah, it's uh, it's been kind of a crazy time for obviously everybody, but, you know, sports reporters with no games to cover, you know, people are going to have to get really creative. I've seen a lot of uh, some of my competitors on the beat and other people doing uh, – covering old games, watching replays or digging into just talking about uniforms or trying to get players on the phone for, you know, kind of uh, different out of left field ideas. I've found personally that in the last few weeks, I've been able to get guys pretty easily. You know, people are not doing that much. So they're willing to take interviews, willing to come on a podcast that I host and things like that. So that's actually been a positive in some respects. But at the same time, it's all about, you know, creating your own content and um, trying to uh, just be creative at a time where usually I'd be at Fenway or at a road stadium every night. All right. So when does the idea come to you that, hey, I have these old baseball cards in my attic or wherever they were collecting dust to walk us through that epiphany, if you will? Yeah, I'm uh, actually at, back at my parents' house. I have an apartment in Boston, but out here. Uh, in Central Mass, where I grew up, and um, on Easter Sunday, I, I guess at night, um, I was just kind of sitting in here and uh, in my den slash office area, and remembered that I had you know binders of baseball cards and photos in the closet. Someone had challenged me at that point on Twitter to um, recreate a video I had of me pretending I was the Easter Bunny that I was on the local news when I was like two or three, and someone said they'd donate to a food bank if I recreated it at. 24 years old and I guess that I decided to do the baseball card thing maybe subconsciously as a way of getting out of the Easter Bunny thing um but I went in the closet and I remembered that I had all these autographs had a binder full of signed cards a binder full of signed photos and um 
something that was a huge hobby for me in middle school and early high school. But since I've you know focused on this career path and uh, having a different relationship with the players and the people that used to sign for me, it's obviously uh, gone to the wayside. So that first night decided to put up a few cards, a few different items, and the response was amazing. And that first night, uh, it was like $540 worth of donations to local food banks and um, different things in charity auctions. And since then, it's just grown and become, you know, we're on the fourth week now and over 52,000 raised for probably 15 or 20 different charities. All right. So let's get back to that uh, quickly, but I do want to jump back for a second and, and, and give us a mental image of recreating the Easter bunny thing. Are you in like some kind of Easter bunny costume or what, what's going no, on? I was, uh, I was at a local, I think candy shop and this reporter came up to my mom and I and was saying, um, can you show us how the Easter bunny hops? And I guess I was probably two or three and I started hopping around and then said, I wanted to be the Easter bunny when I grew up, which, um, that wasn't one of the tracks in the J school to follow. So I had to veer off of it a little bit and, uh, do the Red Sox beat writer thing instead. So, um, some people with a columnist that I work with at mass live and a, a local radio host, um, from 98.5, the sports hub and a couple other people said that they would each donate 25 bucks if I hopped around like the Easter bunny. Um, and I basically kind of inspired me. Well, that would be cool to raise a hundred bucks for a food bank, but is there any way I could use my platform to do more? And it's just, yeah, without even really thinking the whole card and auction thing dawned on me. And, uh, it's kind of been a full-time job in the last few weeks. So you did the Easter bunny hopping first, right? No, I still haven't done that. And, oh, you, uh, you haven't hold- taken that part of the challenge. Okay. I'm, I'm, hold- I'm holding out. So, um, <laughs> That might be how I end the whole thing, but um, I, I definitely, it's not at the top of my list of things I want to be doing and posting on Twitter, but I, I'm sure if the offer still stands and we can maybe make the final $100 for food banks or if other people match it, then I guess I will be doing it uh, when this all wraps up. All right. So uh, what you are doing is taking baseball cards and auctioning them off on Twitter. So again, where did that idea come from? It's it's like, oh, well, I have the, all these baseball cards. What am I going to do with them? Let me auction them off on Twitter. That doesn't seem like, a, you know, just the, the immediate thing that would come to mind. I know. I don't know. That's why it's so weird. It wasn't ever something I ever thought about. And then it's just like I looked in the closet and then I thought, oh, I should just auction these off for charity. I mean, I, I don't know where it came from. And as soon as I started it, there was just one hurdle I needed to clear. I texted my boss and wanted to make sure that um, he um, was okay with me doing it using, you know, it's my personal account, but one that I use for work, obviously, um, and make sure that he was okay with, you know, the public knowing that I had all these autographs. I think there's obviously a conflict of interest. If, if people assume that I was getting these on the job, if I was going into the Red Sox clubhouse every day and getting them, which I obviously have never done. Um, these are all from 2010 or 2011, long before I even, you know, considered this as a career. And, um, you know, when you're credentialed, you obviously can't get autographs. So I wanted to make sure that he knew that I was not ever doing that on the job. And I wanted to tell him that I was going to be clear that I got them way before. And people can tell because the players, for the most part, aren't active anymore. Um, but, yeah, it really was just kind of, you know, epiphany is a good word. Um, just looking and thinking maybe this will work and I, I texted a colleague when the first one went up there was an Adrian Beltre card who's you know future hall of famer who played in Boston for one year but better known for his time with the Rangers and the Mariners and the Dodgers and I put it up the opening bid was 15 bucks and 
for the first like 45 minutes, nobody was bidding on it. And I texted um, my co-beat writer, Chris Smith, and I said, what if nobody responds to this? What if nobody um, wants to buy this? Then I, I look kind of dumb for doing this on Twitter and, and thinking it's going to work. And it was starting to panic a little bit. And that card sold for 75 bucks, which I was very happy with. And, you know, the highest one that night went to 160. And then at that point, it was when it kind of started turning the corner and, and really important people started reaching out, try, uh, looking to donate items. And it's kind of snowballed from there. Sports Focus. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking with Red Sox beat writer Chris Cotillo about something related to sports, but not sports action. Uh, basically auctioning off old baseball cards for charity uh, on, on uh, Twitter. So, Chris, I read about one story that uh, a woman outbid a guy for a particular card and then decided, you know what, it would mean more to him. Give it to him anyway. Tell it, or How many stories have there been like that? There's been a lot. I mean, there have been a lot of times where, you know, I've done, I think, 330 different auction items at this point um, and had to process all of those and watch right down to the wire on Twitter to see who won. So it's, it's kind of a, a long process, but when, when the people win, I shoot them a direct message say, you won, here's the instructions. Uh, you have to donate to this charity, send me a screenshot. And then I, I'll go through the mailing process and put it in my extremely large mail pile. Um, and uh, this particular case, uh, the winner um, who I believe was a young woman in Florida decided, you know, I really, uh, I think the, the guy that she beat was really kind of bummed out about losing in the last minute. Cause it's usually like these close at the top of an hour and at, you know, 11 45, someone puts in the last bid and, and plans ahead to try to get it right on the button. Um, and so a lot of times they're, they're tough beats right at the end, especially, um, for some people are only bidding on one item, one that they find really special to them. And a lot of some other people are, you know, kind of the super bidders that are in on a lot of stuff and kind of taking home five or six things a day, um, because I guess they have the means to do that. And they're super generous for charity. But in this particular case, um, the person that won said, you know, I, I kind of saw how that guy reacted to losing and I've won a few other items and I don't think he has. So, um, why don't you give it to him? And, um, then that would be, and, you know, so that's kind of charity in its own way there. I've had other people win. And so say, so let, actually, me, let, me, let me stop you for just, what was his reaction? He was, he was shocked and happy too. You know, as a player, I think it was Jared Saltalamacchia. He was a former catcher for the Red Sox and won a World Series in 2013. And it was like his favorite player. His dog was named Salty after this player. And he, like, this is the one he really wanted. So he was thrilled about it. Um, so that was really cool to me to see that happen behind the scenes. and. Um, just been shocked, I think, in this really tough time for a lot of people by how many cool gestures I've seen like that. And it's not just your collection now. It's grown to other people's collections. Uh, uh, so how big has this gotten? Yeah, out of hand, I think is the best way to put it, in a great way. Um, in the first 24 hours, uh, Alex Cora, who is the former Red Sox manager, he's been kind of the subject of headlines in the last few months for cheating scandals in Houston and Boston, um, but and was actually let go by the Red Sox and suspended for a year for his roles in those. But 
Um, he's someone that I covered in 2018 and 2019 at the Red Sox manager, got to know really well. Um, and he saw the auctions in the first night on Twitter and texted me and said, um, can I put something in it to sweeten the pot? And I said, yeah, I, I never would have envisioned that anybody would have donated anything. He donated two signed shoes um, that you know he wore during the games. I guess managers and coaches don't wear cleats, which even being in the game for a few years never dawned on me. He wore, he wore uh, turfs. And uh, so he signed those. Um, the next day I put them up and, and – Kind of another show of generosity. The two different guys bid $550 each for those. Um, and they decided, well, let's split them and make an $1,100 contribution to charity. Alex Cora himself matched it. So that was set like $1,700 for the Greater Boston Food Bank right there, which which I was floored by. And that kind of building the the cause and, and building the campaign, you know, having someone who played 14 years in the majors and was a World Series winning manager a couple of years ago, um, do that and be front and center and be public with it on Twitter was huge because it kind of led to a lot of other people donating. And um, we've had a lot of uh, big name donations. A lot of big names in the baseball world have participated and uh, a lot of items and a lot of the biggest items for sure are not from my personal collection. They've uh, been things that are a lot cooler and a lot bigger than what you can fit in the binder uh, here. Sports Focus. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sports Focus with Charlie Tuggle. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to Sports Focus. We're talking about an initiative to auction off baseball cards uh, with Chris Cotillo, who is a beat writer for the Red Sox. Chris, uh, this can't last forever. Maybe, well, maybe it can, but uh, there will be a time when we get back to baseball action, and it looks like that could be sooner than later. Uh, word is that maybe mid-June spring training, early July start to the season. Uh, is this what you're hearing? Yeah, that seems to be kind of the most likely plan uh, right now. Um, but as with everything related to the pandemic and especially uh, how sports are being impacted, I think it's uh, completely up in the air and I won't believe anything until we're actually uh, seeing games being played, whether that be you know, in Arizona, in a neutral site or at the home ballparks, I think the only thing that we know for sure right now is that there'll be no fans in the ballparks uh, when things start up. So um, at this point, though, it does look like there's going to be a mini spring training or a training camp in mid-June, um, maybe starting around June 10th. Gives them three weeks to ramp up. Um, whether that those training camps end up being in Florida or Arizona, where they usually are, or in the home cities, that remains to be seen. And then a target date of opening day around July 1st. I've heard some rumors about the 4th of July being this huge celebration and, uh, you know, nothing more American than opening day for MLB season on the 4th of July. So uh, that's, that's a rumor. But like I said, it's with so much changing quickly. Um, the league is going to be developing a lot of contingency plans and working with its players union in the next couple of weeks to iron that all out. All right. So what are your contingency plans? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, for for us personally, uh, as as reporters, it's um, it's hard to see, you know, exactly what this is going to look like for uh, us in 2020. You know, and every day uh, we go in, we spend an hour in the clubhouse, spend you know hours in the in the press box, sitting right next to each other as media members. We're traveling constantly. I do like 40 road games a year, so that's you know 
20, 25 flights and hotels and stuff. I don't know if that's going to be possible this year. So we don't even know if the media is going to be let into games. We don't know how close we're going to be able to get to the players for the last three days of spring training. I wasn't there, but the rule was um, that you could not be in the clubhouse and you couldn't be within six feet of players, um, which seemed ridiculous at the time. But three days later, when everything was shut down, it was, uh, it seemed, you know, like maybe they were even late on doing that. So it, it remains to be seen exactly how much access we're going to have, if we're even going to want to travel to away games, if there's even going to be away games, if they're going to be playing in Arizona or wherever. So it's uh, it's kind of a wait and see. It's, it's tough because you, know, you have to think about all the things that come with it. And with having the job, my roommates currently were, were talking about renewing the lease and said, I don't know if I'm you know even going to be need to be in Boston in, in September when our lease is up, or I might need to be in some other city where they're going to be playing because they're going to determine Boston's still a hot spot. So there's so much up in the air, just taking it one day at a time and seeing exactly where it goes. All right. So let's say that uh, things open back up to some degree and your baseball card initiative is still going fairly strong. Are you going to have time to do both things? Yeah, it's winding down for sure. You know, I've, um, I'm almost out of items of my own. There's a couple cool items left that I think I'm going to do this week. Um, and it's going to be basically at the point where if someone offers a, a major item that's going to definitely do well, I'm going to put it up. But for the most part, um, you know, the, the peak and the, the prime time of the whole thing is, is behind us. Um, I think it's for a few reasons. Number one, you know, there's there's a uh, kind of limited resources in my Twitter following. Number two, I have to get back to doing my real job, which I've done in the last couple of days. And, um, and also there's only so much you can ask of people for continuing to be charitable. Like I said, I had no goal going into it. I had no, um, you know, the sky was the limit, but I, I thought, you know, maybe a thousand bucks, 2,500 would be really cool and could make a difference. But now we're, we're going to be probably by the end of the day at 53,000 to, a bunch of different charities and that to me is a crazy crazy number and something i would have never expected so um at a certain point you know you gotta gotta move on it's been honestly one of the most rewarding stretches of my life it's something that i never thought i'd be doing but um circumstances dictated that it was possible and it's there's too many people to thank for it you know from my parents who helped me get the cards at the beginning who have been helping with the mailing to all the donors for the items the bidders the people who have retweeted it um, people who have doled out huge bids to support the cause. And uh, it's been a really cool way to see people come together, even if they have to be kept apart in the last few weeks and months. And um, I'm glad that I got to be the middleman in all of it. All right. We have about a minute left. Kind of project out several years. What are you going to tell your kids and your grandkids uh, about this particular point in your life? I'm going to say I, I can't pay for your college because I, uh, I, sold all the baseball cards for charity. Um, but no, it's, uh, I think it's just going to be, you know, obviously thrown into tough circumstances. I, I came home and lived with my parents for an extended stretch, which I never really envisioned doing after college, which has been, you know, cool. My sister's here, the whole family's here. And um, we've been able to turn it into to something good with the auction. And um, I think, like I said before, struck mostly by all of the generosity that I've seen from people, the stories I told about, you know, giving up bids, giving it to someone else, and uh, just seeing people come together and, and give at a time that's really tough for everybody has been amazing uh, time and time again. 
And that does it for this edition of Sports Focus. Thanks to our guest, Chris Cotillo. Thanks also to producer Laura Field. And as always, thanks to you for listening. Cheers. Thanks to Richard Southall, Mark Nagel, and Deborah Southall at the College Sport Research Institute at the University of South Carolina for their research and guidance and for access to CSRI's International Network of Sources. Sports Focus is a service of UNC's Hussman School of Journalism and Media.